0: I think, uh, I think from Dennis's prayer, the translation of Shelley's prayer that Den- Dennis did, we should have asked for the Ukrainian word restaurant. <laughs> that one sounded similar. Um, and just because I get to be up here following that, uh, thank you also. Picture you, Dennis, working late through the night and doing these kinds of things and both the the love that is evident but also and you can feel it too I know you guys can too the displacement the sorrow you can feel that as well and what war does and the pain that it brings so blessing to you Dennis and Irina and the whole Kovalchuk family I'm going to read scripture Uh, we're going to read the book of Matthew chapter 8 just verses 1 through 4 it's a short reading may God add his blessing as we read when Jesus had come down from the mountain great crowds followed him and there was a man with a skin disease with leprosy who came to him and knelt before him saying Lord if you're willing you can make me clean And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately his skin disease was healed, and then Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we've taken up this series that we're calling Epiphanies. It's actually, in many churches, this Sunday would be known as the third week of Epiphany, which sounds like a lot, actually. I don't know if you can handle three weeks of Epiphanies. You might get a bit tired, but it's just a church calendar thing. It's just the Christian calendar in some circumstances calls this season Epiphany, and this is the third week in Epiphany. That transcendent moment of seeing a from now on moment a realization that might just change your life that stays with you last week we were up in the mountains with Archie on a hike and you could see in the way that Archie spoke that that epiphany remains with him an awareness of the presence of God in a moment and then Kim told us about Elijah at Mount Carmel showdown between Elijah and God and the false prophets, the false gods, and a, a dramatic victory for Elijah, which should have been an epiphany moment, maybe. Maybe those peak victories are the epiphanies, but it turns out, no. After that peak moment, that victory, Elijah's off kind of running for his life. And then does this thing that so many religious people do. You may have done this, and I'm not condemning you for it. Elijah does this thing that a lot of religious people do where they say, I'm the only one. Everybody else doesn't care. I'm the only one. And God should have probably said to him, Elijah, give your head a shake. But because God's more compassionate than me, God said, I'll speak to you. And then, you know, the story storm and earthquake and all these spectacular things happen, but God's not in those things. Dawns on me that God's hand can make those things happen, but God's not in those things. And Elijah then hears a gentle breeze, a quiet voice, and God's in that. There's the epiphany God's presence. So our scene of consideration for today is again at a mountain, but it's not really a mountain, it's more of a hill, it's the Sermon on the Mount, which we considered much of last year, or portion of. It's not really a mountain at all, just this slight hill, and Jesus finishes a sermon, it's the longest sermon we have of Jesus, and he heads down the hill, and that's where we get the scene I read. How we get there from early in Matthew. So, what are we now? January 22nd. I should know that. It's January 22nd. Um, we go from Matthew. The beginning of Matthew is those things you guys love the genealogies. 17 verses, I think, of genealogy. So and so begot so and so begot so and so begot so and so. And then eight verses of the Christmas story. The Bible has priorities. And then you get, as part of that, the Magi. And then Herod, so the Magi, the wise men, visiting. Visiting not the stable and the manger, but likely house sometime later. And Herod then issuing this decree, you remember, right? That all the young male children, babies, would be killed. Then you get the story of John the Baptist. So there's this, like, just jump in time. John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus. Then you get the story of the calling of the first disciples and the Sermon on the Mount, which is chapters 5 through 7. Oh, there's the temptation in the desert. That's pretty important too. And then chapters 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, and then this story. And we're using this to say an epiphany in the context that we're speaking is an encounter with Jesus Christ. And one of the first stories we have in the book of Matthew of Jesus encountering people is this encounter with this man with this skin disease chapter 8 verses 1 through 4 Jesus comes down from the mountain having preached this sermon he moves into the crowd he had just been teaching the kind of teaching that energizes and amazes I always think that when I'm hearing this kind of teaching it's like the speaker says something that I kind of already knew but they reveal it The kinds of speakers who tell you things that you have to know like that, they're not quite as trustworthy. But Jesus speaks in such a way that the crowds are amazed. And then he heads down into the crowd when his sermon is done. And the first person that he encounters is this man with leprosy, or to put it in a terrible, terrible way, scriptures. Puts it this way, basically, because it's the understanding of the day, and unfortunately, sometimes the understanding of our day. Jesus, the first person that Jesus encounters, is a leper. Can you imagine being called by the, th- the thing of your greatest struggle? He encounters a man. I don't think Jesus saw him as a leper. And it's a healing story. Jesus heals the man... But the story never uses the word healing. What word does it use instead? Cleansing. What could that mean? Cleansed from what? Leprosy was considered to be highly contagious, which it's not. It was considered to be a sign of judgment from God, which it's not. But that was the thinking of the day. The tragedy is that that kind of thinking remains with us to this day, people who are outcasts. This man was oppressed not only because of the terrible disease, but he was oppressed with the rejection of the world and particularly told that he was rejected, judged by God. So what is it then in this man that he feels compelled to move not away from holy teacher who's just preached this sermon but towards him he moves towards Jesus kneels down and says to Jesus if you choose you could make me clean it's not oh preacher I liked your sermon today good good word thank you he doesn't reflect on the sermon he moves towards Jesus and says if you choose you can make me clean and then Jesus does this remarkable thing he stretches out his hand and he reaches and he touches the man the the text says he had to stretch out to reach to do this the social law and the religious law of the day was clear you must not touch a leper in fact priests and religious leaders the kind of people who speak on mountains to crowds of people were not allowed within six feet of a leper Doesn't that six feet sound different now? And the leper must call out as they're walking or moving through the community, unclean, unclean, about themselves. Jesus reaches out, touches the man, and says, I do choose, be made clean, and the man was healed, cleansed. And Jesus then says, do not tell anyone. Can you imagine this in a religious setting? There's a healing accomplished in our presence here and we say, don't tell anyone. I mean, most things then and since would make, turn this man into a traveling road show. Look what I did. Build your empire, make some money at least. Don't tell anyone. Go to the priest and make an offering That part was still there bring an offering to the church why would the this man who had been cleansed healed go to a priest well in that day the rule was it was the priest who determined whether this person was cleansed or healed from the skin disease and once the offering was made the priest could give a certificate and could pronounce basically blessing you're not cut off anymore Jesus' direction to go to the priest was to restore the man to community. So some points, just three. Firstly, God is sovereign. What does this mean that God is sovereign? That God is above us, beyond us, higher than us? Sure, but here God's sovereignty means one thing in particular. God is sovereign means that Jesus is not bound by the lines that we have drawn. So much energy is spent in churches still saying, what are the lines we have to have? (laughs) Thanks be to God that God is sovereign, free even from our religious structure because it is in sovereignty, here's a theological point, but it's okay, we'll all be able to grasp it. It's God's sovereignty that moves God to choose love. Freedom to love, which is, by the way, a good thing for us, for me, for you, for this man before Jesus that day. The epiphany, I suppose, is that this is the character of God, And our response is to realize that our faith is lived in solidarity, not separation. Solidarity, not separation. So often in the Christian life, I understand this, the church has been a huge part of my life and I'm deeply, deeply grateful. But so often the Christian life, the religious life or terms like discipleship, right? We've understood those things to mean the keeping of lines, the taking of stances, the prevention of some societal decay, holding a status quo, things that are separation. It's how we get, and I'm not making, well, I, I would make a value statement on this, but I don't need to right here. It's how we get to phrases that you may have heard, like love the sinner, hate the sin. The reason we get to those kinds of things is that we we've been told and we've picked up that it's about separation. Love the sinner is not enough because that doesn't have the separation line. You've got to throw in the hate the sin. It can be difficult emotionally and spiritually. If you've been raised in this kind of faith and you've been a good person and you've tried to do things right in your faith, it can be difficult to see that our call is to solidarity, not separation. And that we understand the character of God in that which moves us in this solidarity, not the separation. In fact, many of the best people that I know, some who still have that mindset that it's about separation, this is my opinion, what's best about them is when they're doing the solidarity stuff. And some of them do it beautifully. It's a theological issue. So to those of you who've been raised in that kind of thinking, I say this not as condemnation, but as invitation. Do you know that you will understand God more and better from solidarity, not separation? This is God's sovereignty. Secondly, God is able. It is Jesus who brings healing and cleansing. This man before him, this man with leprosy, It might simply be desperation that's drawn him to Jesus, but it's also beautiful. He says, if you will, you can cleanse me. See how that's a prayer? It's your prayer, if you trust in Jesus Christ. It's my prayer. If you will, you can be present in my life. If you will, you can be with me. You can bring healing. It's a faith that's somehow stronger than a demanding, arrogant, de- declarative faith. It's not, you will heal me and I'm claiming that. It's better than that. It's, I trust you. This man looks to Jesus as an agent of healing. He's healed and cleansed, not by virtue, not by concept or idea or principle, and as a gathered people, the Christian church, We worship Jesus Christ, not an idea, not a virtue. Jesus brings healing. Our faith is in Jesus, the one who heals. But hear this He heals not only that man, He heals not only people's sins, but He will bring healing for the cosmos. And finally, Revelation. I guess this is the epiphany word there's revelation in this story what does it mean that God reveals it could mean this that you want to know God's will for your life I mean this can be when you're younger particularly I'm looking back to like when I was a youth minister or in youth group or something what's God's will for my life I wish he would reveal God's his will for my life and you pray about it and that's revelation what should I do Or the real silly parts when people would walk up to somebody else and say, God told me that I'm going to marry you or something like that. And I mean, unless the person had the same message, they might respond with, well, God didn't tell me that. God would reveal something for your life. But revelation in this story shows us something deeper in a way that I think you're going to hear in Jonathan's story, which is to follow. Revelation is someone giving us something of themselves. Someone giving us something, particularly of themselves. So when Archie saw the sky light up, he saw a natural phenomenon that clearly he remembered, but what stayed with him and then with us as he shared the story was that it was revelation that God was self-revealing, someone giving something of themselves. God saying, In faith, that we know in faith, you are not alone. Revelation is the person unveiling who they are and who they see us to be. Jesus reaches to this leper before he's cleansed, before he's healed. You are known. You are known. This faith is not a faith of separation the faith of God revealing himself to us, to others. And in this encounter, this man is not simply healed, he's restored. And that is the epiphany. In the spirit that we would hear that, that we would know that and that we would seek to live that out with others. Not only for our good, but for the good of the world. Let's pray. Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Jesus, we thank you for what you did that day, that it was a sign like a foretaste, the renewal of all things, the healing that is in you. We pray in your name.